Hi, welcome to my podcast, On The Grow. I'm Grace Lee. In the last episode, you heard me talk about what five ways I stay positive in stressful situations. I really cover a lot of ground in the episode on maintaining a positive attitude in these stressful situations and how God calls out to us to stand firm in faith rather than faint in fear. In this episode, I ask the question, what drives your life? I focus on three things that have been driving my life these past few years. One, my career. Two, relationships. And three, my fears. I share what I've learned from these factors and how my faith has allowed me to have a different perspective to approaching it all. Growing up, I remember attending Sunday school classes when I was younger. I mean, they're distant memories, but I remember there was one Sunday where the Sunday school teacher was asking us what we should do when we are in a tough situation, just like Daniel was in the lion's den. I remember thinking in my head the answer was to pray to God about it, because that was the Sunday school answer to say. They use the words Sunday school answer for that reason. And the reason I bring that up is because every part of me wants to give you the Sunday school answer of what drives my life, that God is truly the driving factor in my life. But honestly, it's been such a struggle for me this entire year. I share a lot of quotes on my Instagram stories based on what I'm going through and feeling in certain moments of my life. I'm working on getting back to that, and it's taking more time than I'd like. And and the reason I say that is because I know I've actually felt these experiences of what it feels like to have God driving your life. I remember peace and internal happiness because I was reminded things were out of my control. No matter what happened, it wouldn't be because of something that I did and I didn't have to be fearful of it and I didn't have to be worried about what would happen because whatever did happen, I knew that God was still there. He was still by my side and he wouldn't leave it just because I did something wrong. I trusted that he had everything under control. I don't blame New York City, but... The New York City life has been a huge distraction. And the thing about me is I love a good challenge. And so I've struggled harder with my faith in this city. There are some times where I felt like, you know what? Maybe I'm not the best with my faith here in the city, but that's a challenge I'm willing to take. And that challenge has, you know, led to me feeling like I need to take my future into my own hands. You know, I felt like I needed to tell God how to live my life because I know my experiences have built me into the person that I am. But I forget who got me out of the experiences and who put the experiences in my life in the first place. God did. I asked this question of what drives your life on my Instagram stories a while back and some of the answers people 
have responded were similar to my own, actually. I really dug into my most recent years and where I've been at with my life and pulled out three things that have been driving my life. I felt like I've put my career as one of my top priorities in my life. There's even been seasons in my life where I put my career first before anything. I have journals that I used to write in during high school and college where I declare that nothing or no one would get in the way of what I was after. I convinced myself that if I did this or, or had this, I would be happy. As long as I wasn't pining over money, it was okay, right? But that's the thing. Many people assume focusing on money can lead to downfall. But so can your drive for happiness, whatever that is for you. Too much of a good thing can still be a bad thing. Because there is such a thing as, quote, idolizing your career. Anything you desire or idolize over more than God is a bad thing. He's the one who grants us these opportunities and puts them in our life and these paths. And, and he doesn't want us to accept these achievements as our source of happiness. He wants us to turn to him and focus on him, and he will continue providing us with that happiness. I look at how money drives people's lives and how they believe that having more, possessing more, will make them more happy, more important, more secure with their life. Money is temporary happiness, and it will never be enough. How many times have we seen signs of celebrities starting off so well and then losing themselves on their journey of stardom? It's because the more you have of something, the more you get used to it and want something even bigger and better. I love the verse Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Even in my current season, I felt lost in my career path. I've questioned my plans thinking I need to have it all set in order. This verse only reminds me that he already has the plans. All we need to do is turn our focus on him and trust that he's got it. I found that when I don't know my purpose, I do too much and that actually causes that actually causes stress, anxiety, and conflict. When my career path starts to become my life focus, it takes all my effort and energy from what is really important. There's a passage in one of my favorite books by Rick Warren that reads, Without a clear purpose, you will keep changing directions, jobs, relationships, churches, or other externals, hoping each change will settle the confusion or fill the emptiness in your heart. You think, maybe this time it will be different, but it doesn't solve your real problem, which is a lack of focus and purpose. This reminds me of um, dietitians and nutritionists remind their clients that cutting out sugar completely is not necessarily a good thing. 
you know, trying to cut corners with your diet, quote, such as low-fat, sugar-free options can do more harm than good. And I am not a dietitian or a certified nutritionist in any way, um, but I know that, you know, there are more additives in these options to fake that you're not consuming real sugar. And, you know, we look at the sugar-free labels and assume it's okay to add in more because it's the healthier option. But if you consume sugar, like real sugar, in moderation and limit the amount you intake, it could be better for you in the long run because it's not tricking you in, in telling you that, you know, because it's fake, you can have more of it. So that's just um, something that just came to mind, actually, thinking about how, you know, too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. And so when I look back on my life and reflect on the relationships I've built or attempted to start with people, my mind goes to a thousand different places. Sometimes I want to laugh over it. What was I thinking in these situations? How could I have been so naive? And sometimes I feel pain and sadness creep in. What if it had ended in a different way? You know, would that person still be present in my life right now? What if I had said this or they had done that? And I remember distinct moments where I felt my entire world was crashing down and there was no way I could climb out of the hole of misery I was in. I remember wishing there was an entire book in the Bible that focused solely on dating. Like, was I doing this wrong? Like, you know, why was I making these quote unquote mistakes? And, you know, was something wrong with me? Like, it's like um, something that I've always just questioned, you know, attacking myself in ways in the past because it couldn't be anyone's problem but my own, right? Like, I always turn the blame and turn the problems and the tables on myself, thinking that, you know, it's probably my fault for doing this. And just going back to, like, the Bible, like, I, I go through scriptures sometimes and find foundational truths, but nothing that really makes me understand God's version of dating. And looking through the Bible, the concept of dating is non-existent in the biblical times, if we think about it. Um, like, it's a type of concept where people married based on family lineage and, like, their economic status rather than personality and compatibility with other people. You, you know, you don't have, like, the dinner date stories and movie nights and how to approach date number five and, and whatnot, you know? You don't read about any of that in the Bible. <laughs> um, so the Bible may not have a chapter dedicated to dating with cookie-cutter rules of, of, like, do's and don'ts, but it does speak volumes about relationships and interactions that can be applied to how you date. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This verse kind of 
you know, tells me in, in a way that it means that no matter what we do, who we meet, do it to glorify God. If I had to look back at the choices I made in college, I came across people who made me feel like I wasn't worthy enough or that I wasn't good enough to be a part of their life. I think relationships with people, you know, like whether it's dating or a friendship has a way of driving your life in the sense that it affects us mentally as a person. It consumes our time and our mental state. How many times can we look back, you know, those moments where we dated someone and every time we got a text from that person, it made us smile. It made us happy. How many of us depend our happiness on whether the person calls us or texts us back that day? How many of us put our happiness in other people's hands? I know I have before, many, many times. And I know how badly it also hurts when things don't go the way you want them to. But just going back to like the decisions or like that mindset I had in college, um, it isn't that you're not pretty enough smart enough, skinny enough, or whatever comes to mind. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. You can forever play the what-if game with yourself. You know, if, if you had a nicer body to their standards, if you invested in more time to building that relationship with them that you've put aside for yourself. I mean, you could keep going, but where does that get you? They weren't willing to be patient with you. They weren't willing to get to know you better, then, you know, they sure aren't worth your thinking about them now. Like, what good does it get you thinking about all that? And I've struggled with that so much, especially with relationships and dating. Um, My college years, I would constantly just like have my mind running on all the things that were wrong with me and things that I need to fix about myself and, you know, like what I could do to make the guy like me because, you know, I could get this or do that. Like, it was just, it's so, it's such a toxic mentality to have. Thinking that you have to just please all these people. And so, this just reminds me, because my mom actually reminds me how important it is to have a partner who has a healthy relationship emotionally and spiritually with himself and God because the healthier both individuals are in that sense, the healthier the relationship will be. Growing up in a Christian household, I used to have this sort of fear that anyone I dated had to be a Christian. No way I I could even approach them or think about it if they weren't. But it was, you know, over the years I realized it was less of the title of my partner being a Christian and more in the sense that I feared I would lose myself, my morals, and what I stood for. I felt like I wasn't strong enough to be in a relationship with someone who didn't have that, you know, um, because faith, my faith and God is like a, is a huge part of my life and to not be able to like communicate that with someone and talk about it and 
you know, not have that side heard, I felt like it would drive me to a side that I didn't, you know, I wasn't ready to put, ready to immerse myself in. I guess you could say that. I felt like I need to be stronger with my faith before I was to meet someone else and be able to stand my ground. Because I've learned that when I'm passionate about something or or someone, I am all in. And that, to me, can be extremely scary. So yeah, it was more of, I just didn't want to lose myself. I wasn't ready for that yet. And I am an impatient person, but with that, I can, I can be patient with sometimes. Well... I'm just trying to like think overall, you know, maybe I wasn't patient in times of that, but I know that in the long run, I need to be. Otherwise, I'm, you know, risking getting, you know, my feelings hurt again. And you learn from your experiences, right? So I've learned to see relationships as an instrument that can also draw us closer to God instead of serving as the driving factor of our lives. Instead of feeling the pressure to be a perfect Christian, I want to look at relationships as interactions with other people and to use his word to become my best self and be a reflection of him to the people God bring into my life. It's hard to see God's purpose for your life when fear is a driving force in your life. I picture fear like this self-imposing prison where it keeps you intact and prevents you from becoming the person God intends for you to be. When I reflect back on my fears and how it has driven my life, I'm reminded by the confusion of God's responses. Fear has played a driving force in my life because of situations where I hear God telling me to trust him even if what I fear most will happen. And in my head, I'm, I'm like thinking, what? That makes no sense. How can that even be? You know, like, is he sure he said that right? Like he's saying my fear will happen, but trust me anyway. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, what? When you like actually think about it, It's like something you can't even comprehend. (laughs) And what's important to take away from these situations was that it wasn't me snapping out of it and coming to my senses and being like, okay, thanks God, I got it. I'll forget my fears. We're all good here. It was more that because he was telling me to trust him, I felt my soul, body, and mind at peace, knowing that whatever life was planning to throw at me, nothing could separate his love for me. You know, even when I had done all those things and hurt God and and just, you know, didn't listen to him and kept running from him and pushing him away, he's still here. Like, he still loves me for who I am. And there's nothing that will separate that. And when I think about that, I'm like, who am I to deserve your love? And so it's the fears, the 
anxieties, the worries, the danger of the unknown, the threats that try to destroy my peace. But God does truly give you that peace of mind when you seek him for it. I love I love this verse. Isaiah 41:10 says, "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand." And there's another one, Philippians 4:6 that says, "Do not be anxious about anything." But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I found that when I actually lay it all down and look up and really just give my fears, like seek him through all that and tell him, look, God, I am fearful of this happening. I... I really don't know what's going to happen next, but please, like, please give me peace in my heart to fully trust you, even when nothing makes sense, even when every action or path that I have is pointing in a way that I don't want or I don't see. And I don't know what to do. And, you know, I feel stuck and lost and confused with my direction in life. Please give me that peace of mind. And I promise you, I promise you that it, he will give you that if you seek him. So there's a song that plays at Hillsong, New York City, the church that I go to here. Um, in New York, and it's called As You Find Me by Hillsong United, and I really just wanted to, like, read out the lyrics because it just really hits me every time I hear it, and it's, like, one of those things where I feel like I could, you know, write it in my notes and just read it every time I start to feel like I'm slipping. It starts off like this. I've been strong and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful, and I've been reckless at every bend. I've held everything together and watched it shatter. I've stood tall, and I've crumbled in the same breath. I've wrestled, and I've trembled toward surrender. Chased my heart adrift and drifted home again. Plundering blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. And every time I turn around, Lord, you're still there. I was found before I was lost. I was yours before I was not. Grace to spare for all my mistakes. And that part just wrecks me. I know I don't deserve this kind of love. But somehow, this kind of love is who you are. It's a grace I can never add up to be somebody you still want. But somehow, you love me as you find me. I love that song. And every time I just, like I said, every time I hear it, it just reminds me. You know, like all, almost like 
the fears that I have just kind of slip away in that moment. And I can finally look up and be reminded that he's been there the entire time and he's not going anywhere. And for some reason that makes fear, you know, fear and uh, fear and threats and every danger possible tremble, you know, in his path. Speaking of Hillsong Church, um, a few Sundays ago, I heard one of the pastors at Hillsong Church share a sermon that I thought was fitting to share. And she mentioned driving on the highway and how every driver knows, or at least every driver should know, the right of way on the highway. She was in the yielding lane about to merge into the highway and talked about this huge oil truck that was driving a little too fast for her to quickly merge in before it. And even though she had the right of way, she let the truck go in front of her because one, she wasn't trying to die that day. And two, it wasn't worth the road rage. And we all know how much road rage gets to us in traffic for those of us who drive um, or did drive. I'm in New York City, so I do not have my car here. But anyway, she spent the rest of her time stuck behind the oil truck, the remainder of her drive. And she said these words that just stuck out to me. What we yield to on the highways, we allow to lead us the rest of the ride. Just like what we yield to in life, we allow to lead us in life. And so that really just got me thinking, because what are we yielding to in life? What are we letting things, you know, come into our lives and just take us for a quote unquote, a ride? Um, And so I think the question after all of this, you know, after sharing three things that I've found have been driving my life in the moments and situations that I've been going through. And, you know, it's been, it's been my career. It's been relationships and it's been the fear of the unknown. And the question I want to ask you is what is driving your life right now? Is it your job? Is it your relationships with people? Is it the fear of the unknown? Fear of acceptance? What is fear doing in your heart right now? And just know that like, just because you turn to God to help you with what's driving your life, that doesn't mean all of that stops happening. That doesn't mean it won't happen because it, it can definitely still happen, you know? Like, God isn't an excuse to just have all your problems go away. The problems can still happen. And what I'm trying to say is, it just means, you know, that, like, the problems not going away, it's not a matter of that. It's how you look at what your problems are and how you approach your problems and the perspective that you have of whatever you're going through 
And it just means that the situations no longer have the power to lead you. And I think that's what's important here is that's what all of this just comes in full circle is that it's not about the situation itself. It's, it's how it no longer has that on you. I really just want to ask, what is it that's driving your life? I'd love for you to answer the questions and I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode in the series where I have a conversation with my sister, Rebecca Lee, a third-year medical student about dealing with pressure, the struggle of losing control, and why God closes doors. Rebecca answers where she finds pressure as a doctor, and I open up about the pressures I feel in blogging and the influencer industry. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.